Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Camille Rouget de Silva, a customer strategy expert with over 10 years experience in the fashion industry. Cam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. So you're here today to discuss how customer experience and CRM leaders can turn advocacy into a powerful growth driver for their business. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Of course. So I have a mouthful of a name. So I go by Cam. It's much easier. Um, As you said, I have 10 years experience in the fashion industry. Most recently, um, I spent about five years at Stitch Fix growing their UK business. I was their first marketing hire here in the UK. Um, And yeah, kind of as I, as I spend more time at Stitch Fix, grew their customer strategy function from scratch and really understood the power advocacy through that. Fabulous. Really looking forward to diving into that in a bit more detail shortly. Um, But as tradition on the show to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where as a consumer, you experienced customer love firsthand and really what impact that had on you as a consumer as well. Yeah, of course. Okay, so bear with me with this one. But my example is Ikea. So I love Ikea. I'm in the middle of renovating. So I'm spending a ton of time at Ikea. But I really love the, the their business approach to their customers. So it starts with their UK tagline, which is the wonderful everyday, mm-hmm. um, which is you know, about celebrating everyday life. And I don't know if you've seen their TV ads, but they're like, like MTV Cribs. Do you remember MTV Cribs? Yep. I was obsessed with MTV Cribs. Um, it's like MTV Cribs, but for regular everyday people. And I just love the fact that they are celebrating the, the simplicity of their customer's life and really celebrating their customers. And you can really see that way of thinking in the way they design their products in the way they design their uh, stores, in the way that they design the services they have. So, for example, um, on their, you know, if you go to the IKEA store, they have a car rental just outside. So you can, if you decide to buy a little bit more than you had bargained for, you can hire a van easily there. Um, they bought TaskRabbit so that if you are struggling with uh, building that IKEA cabinet, you can um, bring in someone to help you. And as a customer, so, and I've also seen it in the way their products have improved. So in my previous renovation, we did an Ikea kitchen. In this renovation, we did an Ikea kitchen. And I'm seeing how much better it is this time around. So much more easy to um, to to install, to build, uh, and everything like that. And as a result, whenever people ask me, hey, what kind of kitchen should I get? I always, always say an Ikea kitchen even if it's a super, super high-end, like, renovation, Ikea, all the way. 
I had no idea they did that with the car rentals as well. I don't know if I've been to an IKEA where they've done that before, but that's a that's a brilliant idea. It's a win-win yeah. for everyone, I guess. And and again, it's it's the way it's, what I like about it is that they've the the wonderful everyday is their motto and their, their entire business model is around celebrating people's everyday lives and making them better and like really understanding what make what their customers need in their everyday life and then making it better and you can really see that in the products the services that they offer fabulous brilliant example there um so I wanted to shift gear slightly and um before we start to talk about advocacy specifically um I'd love to kind of speak to you a little bit about some of the challenges that you see facing customer experience and CRM teams today, particularly in the current environment that we're facing we're facing at the moment. Like what's really keeping these customer leaders up at night, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's probably two main things I, I can think of. And I, I don't think it's only for CRM and customer leaders. I think it's for marketers as a whole. Um, the first one is budget. Where I think that's true all the time. I don't think any marketers will be saying, oh my God, I have too much budget this year. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But it's especially true at the moment. We're in tough economic times. Um, it's hard to get additional budget, right? Like you need to really prove your case. And as a result, you really need your budget to go further. You really need to think about the ROI of every activity to make sure that you are using you know, optimizing the budget that you have to, to, to drive the best results. So that's definitely one big challenge, definitely used to keep me up at, wait, at, at night. The second thing is data. So it's wonderful. We have so much of it right now, like so much of it, but it's a pitfall because it's how do you use it really well? How do you make sense of it? How do you synthesize it in a way that is actionable? Um, all of that, like how do you use that data and make something real out of it? And because we have so much data, I think that leadership expects to have, um, you know, absolute insight, absolute results, you know, being able to track every action, all of that. But that's not necessarily the case. And so how do you use that data to tell a compelling story that is actual reflection of what's going on? I think that's that's a challenge. It feels like the CRM and, well, marketers need to have an element of, not data scientists, I'm not going to be an insult to data scientists, but an element of data understanding in their job description now um, that they probably didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah, it's a really interesting point about the data. And I think just to kind of expand on that, I think another challenge kind of preceding what you were talking about there is actually the data being in so many different silos. So it's not necessarily a shortage of data, it's this data is kind of like scattered everywhere. Exactly. It's sitting with different teams, it's siloed everywhere. And actually the process of then bringing all that data together and having that more holistic view, even if it's not a complete 360 view, but just having a more holistic view there. And then the other thing that you were talking about there around expectations from business leaders, that we've got all this data. So, you know, surely you must be experts in our customers. Yeah. I was actually interviewing some someone recently and they were talking about the fact that um, customer service teams, for example, actually have very limited amounts of data that they can use when a customer's calling up. Um, and obviously as consumers, when we call up and we speak to someone in customer service, we just expect that they know everything about us because we're sharing all of this data. But actually the view that someone on the customer experience front line would have is actually quite narrow, which is why they have to, you know, call up and speak to another 
agent or speak to someone else in the team to kind of get that data so it's not always to your point always readily available it might be somewhere in the company but it's not necessarily all together and all in front of you at the same time exactly and if you think like your example around as a customer calling up customer service and having i mean that's the expectation expectation you have right like Mm. i'm giving you the data i'm giving you you need to like I need to get something back, right? I need to understand, like, feel that you are using it well, essentially, and treating me right as a result. So, yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I want to talk to you about customer advocacy and, um, you know, word of mouth advocacy. It's the oldest form of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around forever. Um, but I think so many different people have a different idea of what it is how to harness it, how to actually kind of capture it and turn it into a, you know, into a channel. I think no business would turn around and say, oh, we don't want to get recommended more, but actually it's not always necessarily front of mind when you're thinking about a go-to-market strategy. I'd love to start with firstly, getting your definition, I suppose, for want of a better word of what you think customer advocacy is all about. Um, And then some of the kind of ways that you could essentially put that into practice and grow your own sort of you know proper channel uh, and utilize growth off the back of it yeah it's a it's a good question and i spend a lot of time thinking about advocacy in the the recent weeks so i feel that i should have the perfect answer to this <laughs> um so for me advocacy is basically the act the actions that your customers take to show your your business some love um you know whether it's be being through a referral or a review or you know putting something on social about your brand or you know like just wearing it very enthusiastically and telling their friends hey have you seen my new jumper my new whatever my new trainers um for me that's advocacy is when your your customers is talking about your brand to the people around them whether it's directly their friends or you know on social or things like that for me that's advocacy um and so when you think about advocacy marketing as a brand as a company it's what do you do to encourage those actions and for me it's not a marketing thing <laughs> essentially it's a business thing mm-hmm. it's really having the entire business think customer first and really thinking about how do we improve our products our processes our services in order to drive to in order to encourage people to want to talk about your brand um whether it's word of mouth or whether it's like wearing it super proudly um, and so it's always having that throughout the entire business, having that in the back of our mind so that we are always optimizing for advocacy, essentially. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And it's it's a philosophy, isn't it, I suppose, for businesses. Um, it's not just one team that's responsible for it. It's a, it's a culture, I think, within a yeah. business and needs to flow from the top down for it to be really effective. Exactly. Um, and just kind of, I suppose building on from that, um, why do you think it's important for brands to be engaging with these advocates as much as, let's say, their bigger spenders? Because I think, you know, a lot of companies understandably will be looking through the lens of RFM. So, you know, prioritizing customers based on how much that individual is spending themselves. Um, 
But why do you think it's important to obviously recognize that as an important cohort, but actually be thinking broader and actually looking at your biggest brand fans and understanding the value that they're delivering, not just through how much they're spending themselves, but actually through their advocacy activities as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a really great question. And, it, and that is a really important shift when you're thinking about traditional marketing ROI, thinking about the cost of acquisition and, and kind of the revenue per customer, but really thinking about the value of the customer rather than just the revenue. Um, so for me, number one, they love you. They're talking about you. They're bringing their friends, whether it's through word of mouth or referral. Um, they're leaving enthusiastic reviews. I mean, they love you. Why, why wouldn't you show them love back? Like for me, it's just, that's just, it, it makes sense in itself, but it's not, it, it's not just that it makes sense. It makes economical sense as well. Right. You know, um, I think if let's talk about referrals purely as an acquisition channel, it's probably outside of, of organic growth It's probably the cheapest paid channel you can have. I mean, it's, it's really, really effective in terms of driving, um, uh, driving sustainable new clients. So that is already a no brainer. But then on top of that, if you think about, if you think about those, those clients who are coming, they're spending, but then they're bringing all of their network who are spending too. So you're almost like you've acquired one person, but then you're actually acquiring their entire, you know, group, um, their entire, like their friends, their, their families, like whoever they're bringing to the brand. And that's powerful, right? And I think, I mean, you guys are the expert in terms of that, but isn't like referrers are like spend a lot more than they, they, than non-referrers with your brands. Um, they bring a lot more people, they stay longer, they're more loyal, like all of those things are true. So it, it just, it's a mental shift of thinking about solely the one client revenue, but thinking about what that client does for you as a whole, that their value as a whole. And the fact that they love you and they're happy to talk about you, um, I think that's having a spokesperson, right? Like it's having a ton of spokespeople who are out there, you know, talking you up. That's amazing. So, so it makes a lot of sense to, to invest in that. Your own free sales team, essentially going out there and winning new business for you. Right. I mean, like a free sales team. That's exactly right. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't imagine a CEO does like free. Mm. <laughs> and I think particularly, you know, right now where people don't have a lot of disposable income, um, I think just looking through the lens of how much people are spending is is quite limiting um, because people just aren't able to spend as as much as maybe they, they could. Or if, it, if you're an industry where, you know, you're not maybe spending that regularly, if you're outside of sort of fashion, um, you know, if it's if it's a purchase that you'd make every couple of years or whatever it might be, just having that lens, as you were saying there, about actually what else is going on, yeah. um, what other value is being driven will just open up so many new avenues for you and a, and a better understanding of really who your most valuable customers are. A hundred percent. And actually, if you think, I know you said not, not fashion there, but I would argue for the luxury industry, for example. I mean, as, as much as I would love to buy luxury clothing every month i don't i don't think my my bank manager would want me to do that but that doesn't mean i'm not engaged with the brand and i'm not valuable to the brand either and so 
the brand knowing that to say, okay, you might not be spending every month, but you are engaging every month. And so we know that you are still active, that you still, we're still front of mind for you. And then as soon as you are going to be able to buy again, um, will be your number one stop. I think, you know, that mind shift, when we talk about it, makes absolute sense. And so it's how do you system, you know, make it systematic within the business to think like that. Um, yeah. And, ju- and just to expand on that, I'd love if you had any examples of um, campaigns maybe that you've run where you've been deliberately trying to turn customers, you know, that might have spent once into repeat customers and, and advocates um, and or how you've maybe kind of when you've got this cohort of fans, ways that you've maybe treated them slightly differently or sort of in the same way that you would treat your bigger spenders, for example. Yeah, that's that's a it's a good it's a good question. Um, I'm going to go more towards the latter side of your question. It's really thinking about you know the best campaign we've ever done for our biggest fans, whether they were big spenders or not. Um, so we had this um, community, like this closed group community. It started um, with our client insight function, actually, which was creating a, a, a panel of customers to you know ask quick questions regarding, hey, do you prefer this ad or this ad? Um, what do you think of this new product? Like just really getting insight from from our, our, our most active clients. So that it started like that. Um, so I think a lot of brands have kind of customer panels and things like that. And so that's how it started. But we realized it was super powerful. First of all, they were engaging on in that group between them. So they were chatting. We could hear how they were chatting about the product, which was invaluable. Like oh, did you know this feature existed? Oh my God, did you see this new brand they launched? And like, it was, you could really see how people were talking about our brands together. And that was invaluable as marketers. It was really interesting to understand what resonated with our most loyal active clients, regardless of how much they were, they were spending with us. Because obviously there was no threshold. We didn't even look at that, Um, but it was really about how active they were with us. And then, so we realized that this was really important. And so it was like, okay, what can we do to have some fun? Like, you know, make make the most of the the community, but also give them something back. And so at Stitch Fix, we had personal stylists. And so we started bringing the personal stylists within the, within the community and so they were like okay i'm going to a job interview what am i wearing and so the stylist would say, Oops. and then the entire community would be like you've got this you've got this did you get the job like all of that and so you would we would be kind of bringing you know bringing like some of the serve the hands-on service but at a bigger scale within within that community i mean you know stitch fix business model was uh, online personal styling, which was, you know, bring, having a personal stylist, even if you're not a, a movie star or anything like mm. that. Um, and so it was really fun to do, to bring it, to make it a little bit more personal, but somewhat at scale. Um, uh, so that was a, a really great, great experience, uh, a really great campaign that we ran. And we even ended up featuring some of them in our ads uh, doing testimonials um so yeah it was it was it was a great first of all it felt good for the company um you know to to kind of to show the rest of the company as well not just the marketing team how our customers were talking about the brand so people had a real good sense but also it felt like we were giving them something too um giving them a reason to stay loyal 
to Stitch Fix um, and then talk to us, talk about us even more. Kind of, again, going back to your army of free salespeople, we were empowering that uh, essentially. I love that example. Um, And what kind of impact did you see off the back of doing something like that? Well, I mean, those clients were much more valuable in terms of how much they spent, much more valuable in terms of how much they referred, uh, much more valuable about how much they shared pictures that we could reuse on our channels, um, much more valuable in terms of the advice they gave us. So, for example, we, we had our buying team and our product development teams that were, you know, leveraging their insight in terms of to make our product better for our entire customers. So, you know, when we saw that um, a dress was doing really well, for example, they would tell, like, they would all be wearing the dress, for example, and then would be, well, actually, we need it in another color because for my interviews next week. And so then we could use that insight to um, to make our product better. And then when your product is better the rest of the customers benefits and so that kind of encouraged that flywheel of your customers then are happier talk about you more advocate more stay longer and all of that good stuff yeah fabulous um cam we've covered some brilliant ground today uh the last thing i wanted to talk to you about was um i suppose going back to one of the earlier points around this idea of you know advocacy advocacy has been around forever it's one of the oldest forms if not the oldest form of marketing um, but I think sometimes companies struggle to understand how you can turn that into, you know, a dedicated strategy. So I'd love if you could maybe share some advice around what are the sort of first steps that brands can take to start implementing a successful advocacy marketing strategy? Yeah. I mean, number one, sign up to mention me, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you guys are, you guys are definitely the best in the business when it comes to advocacy. But as I said earlier, um, it's a it's a whole business thing. It's not just a marketing thing. It's definitely a cultural shift uh, within the company of bringing in the customers into all aspects of the business. Um, so that I would say that's that's number one. I think in order to do that, though, you need to get buy in, and you get buy in by showing. Uh, the ROI, showing that it's worthwhile, showing that it makes sense. Um, And so really understanding who your customers are, how do you acquire more of them? How do you make sure that they, um, that they stay? How do we make sure that they refer more? But also like, how do you make sure you don't acquire the clients you might not be able to serve well? And I know that might sound counterintuitive, but if there is someone who buys your product and the product's just not right for them for whatever reason um it's just not a product market fit actually stopping to advertise your product to those types of clients is actually better for everybody it's better for them because they don't get they don't like try the product that doesn't work for them get a bad experience they don't you know waste their time having to return something that doesn't work like all of that stuff um it's it's actually a better customer experience in in one way, and it makes business sense, right? You're not acquiring people um, that you can't serve well. You're not having a, you know big return rates and like things like that. And the only way that you can do that is by really understanding your customer, um, really getting a sense and being really honest about who you're serving, who you're serving well. How do you improve your product? How do you improve um, your services to serve them well? And then building a marketing strategy 
that acquire more of them. And so where advocacy data makes sense is that the the client, you know, your good clients are more likely to speak to people who are similar to them. And so having them refer for you is good because that means you get more people who are within that cohort of potentially good clients, right? Um, so that's, that's, that's how I would start. I mean, it seems like a lot, it seems daunting, but actually once you shift the mindset is it's, it's pretty easy. You just have to always think, okay, who are our good customers? Who do we serve? Well, how can we serve them better? How can we make sure that they stay? How can we make sure that we acquire more? And then the other end of the spectrum, who can we not serve well right now? Um, how do we make sure that we don't acquire them? Um, how do we make, so that we make sure that we provide the best experience to um, to the customers that we do have? Brilliant, Cam. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast, hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.